0: to the great detectives of old-time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash radio detectives. Uh, I do want to uh, encourage you to check out our store, store.greatdetectives.net, where you can pick up books, audiobooks, and ebooks and Including all I needed to know I learned from uh, Colombo and all I needed to know I learned from Dragnet, which examine life lessons that can be learned from fictional uh, detectives and policemen. Go to store.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of The Private Files of Rex Saunders. The original air date, May the 16th, 1951, and the title is Diamonds Can Be Done to Death
1: in another intriguing adventure transcribed from the private files of Rex Saunders.
2: Concerning jewelry, diamonds may be a girl's best friend, but like any other precious ornament... They can be done to death.
1: And now, the private files of Rex Saunders. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, brings you the celebrated star of stage and screen, Rex Harrison... In another exciting story taken from the private files of Rex Saunders, radio's newest man of mystery. We hope you enjoy these weekly stories of intrigue and adventure. And for another adventure in home entertainment, we suggest you try RCA Victor's fine line of radio and television products now on display at your RCA Victor dealer. Now for our story.
2: A misty morning when the tugs nosed the mammoth hulk of the transatlantic liner Tregania into its North River berth. Alec and I were on the pier, standing near the guard rail, watching the Tregania's passengers coming
1: ashore. As they walked down the
2: gangplank, I looked them over carefully, wondering which one was Allison. It's uncanny how we get ourselves in these strange situations. The strange situation Alec referred to was prompted by a radiogram which I received that morning at the rude hour of five was sent from aboard the Tregania and said simply, Important you be a peer when Tregania docks. Need your help. Don't fail. And it was signed, Alison. But who is Alison? I told Alec that I really hadn't the faintest idea. So there we stood, watching the passengers debark, when suddenly I felt a gentle tap on my shoulder. Mr.
3: Saunders.
2: I turned round. She was slim, brunette, and she was quite attractive. Two small valises were resting at her feet.
3: You are Rex Saunders, aren't you? Yes. I'm Alison.
2: Oh, I imagine that Allison was a man. So did I, Alec. But I can hardly say that I'm disappointed.
3: Vivian Alison.
2: About that radiogram you sent me, it uh, had an urgent tone.
3: But it's rather an urgent matter. Here, look at this, Mr. Saunders. This bandage on my arm. It covers a wound, bullet graze. I was shot at last night on deck. By whom? I don't know who he is. He's followed me about the ship ever since we left Liverpool. He goes under the name of Charles Strickland. But he's only one of them. There are others. They want to kill me.
2: And just why do they want to kill you?
3: They're after this release. Uh, This brown one here. Oh? Uh, What's in it? Diamonds. Diamonds valued at $200,000. They're from the South African mines. I'm a courier for the Kent Diamond Syndicate. I'm delivering them to the New York client... Uh, Robert Johnson and Sons.
2: Well, now you're safely in New York.
3: Oh, no. I won't be safe until the diamonds are delivered. Until they're out of my possession.
2: That's rather a tight fix you're in.
3: You will help me.
2: Well, it's the least I can do for someone from home.
3: I'm very grateful, Mr. Saunders.
2: Just what do you plan to do, Rex? Well, from what Miss Allison has told us, Alec, it's apparent that her life is only in danger just as long as she has the diamonds in her possession. Well, she's going to hand that bag to me now, right here in plain view.
3: But, Mr. Saunders, where will we meet again?
2: I'll follow you outside the pier. You take a taxi to Johnson & Sons. What street
3: are they on? Uh, 59, 842 West.
2: Very well. Now, you have your cab driver take you there, and I'll hop into another taxi and follow directly after you. Alec? Yes? I want you to go aboard the Tregania and find out what you can about Charles Strickland. Right. Now, Miss Allison, you may hand me that bag. Here you are. Now, you go ahead, Miss Allison.
3: As you say. I'll wait for you at Johnson and Sons.
2: Alec, hmm. forget what I told you about looking for information on Charles Strickland. Huh? Forget? But why? Because there probably isn't any Charles Strickland. What? But you go aboard the Dregania as planned while I trail the young lady. Yeah, but about Charles Strickland, you mean Miss Allison was lying to us? Precisely. I want you to find out what happened to the real Allison. The real Allison? Yes, while you were waiting for me here, I stopped in at the administration office and checked on the Tragenia's passenger list. There was only one Allison on that list, Alec. And Mr. Stephen Allison. <laughs> With the brown bag in hand, I followed the attractive brunette along the crowded pier. It was obvious that her real name was not likely to be Allison, but there was nothing obvious about the game she was playing. I waited outside the pier until she got into a taxi, and then I hailed the next cab in line. Where to, mister? That taxi ahead, please. Uh, follow it when it pulls out. Okay. Move over, chum. This cab's taken. Hey, look, buddy. This gent flagged me first. Shut your trap. Get this sheep moving. Hey, a rod. He's got a rod, mister. Yeah. Okay. Shove off like I told you. Yeah, but look you yes. better do as he says, driver. Hey, you're a smart boy. Thanks for the compliment. It ain't no compliment. It's a warning. Oh? Don't get over smart you will probably end up with your face in a ditch. I uh, take it you're referring to my encounter with Miss Allison. Now, don't give me that Miss Allison business. Where do you tie in with it, Dan? I haven't the slightest idea what you're talking about. You know, playing too dumb can be worse than giving it to me too smart. Give me the bag. Uh, the one? The bag. The one you're trying to hide behind you. Oh, this. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know what you meant. Yeah, not much, you didn't. All right, driver, pull up. Get out, smart tugger Go on, get out. And remember what I told you. Stay out of this game or the next time you get tagged for a slab in the morgue. I not only lost the bogus Miss Allison, but also the valuable little brown bag. I headed back to the pier to pick up Alec. Who do you suppose he was? I don't know. But I won't forget his face quickly. Well, anyway, we're sure he was one of the gang after the diamonds. And now they have what they were after. I wouldn't be too sure of that. What do you mean? He got the bag from you, didn't he? Yes, Alec, he got the bag all right. However, I managed to open it before I hopped into that cab. Hey, that was quick thinking on your part. You opened the valise, removed the diamonds, and then hid them on yourself. <laughs> and our ugly friend was left holding the bag. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't laugh, Alec. Why not? <laughs> well, the joke happens to be on us. Huh? And, uh, and it was played by the deceptive young lady. When I opened the bag, it was empty. Empty? As a punctured water bucket. Oh. The would be Miss Allison used us as a feint, Alec. Remind me never to trust a handsome woman again, will you? As if you listened. listen. What did you find out about Stephen Allison? Well, the deck steward told me that Allison was a man of medium height, about forty, somewhat baldish. He was sick during the voyage, and he remained in his stateroom throughout the entire trip. His door was constantly locked. Anything else? Yes, I was just getting to this. A very interesting piece of information. Allison had a frequent visitor, a young lady, mm, who I imagine fits the description of our brunette friend. Mm-hmm. Sears, Vivian Sears. Vivian. <laughs> well, Miss Sears at least told us the truth about her first name. <laughs> Come along, Alec. Where to now? That phone booth just over there. Who are you calling? Police headquarters. Inspector Kelly is checking a matter for me. Inspector Kelly, please. Hello, Inspector? Inspector? Rex Saunders. Oh, you have? Fine. 627 East 20th Street. Thank you very much. Yes, I'll call back later on the other tracer. 627 East 20th Street. What's at that address? Perhaps $200,000 worth of diamonds. What? I made a note of the license plate number on that cab that uh, the mysterious Miss Sears took when she left here. A police radio car located that taxi a few moments ago. According to the driver's trip schedule, Miss Sears went from the pier directly to the house on 20th Street. <laughs> on 20th Street was a dilapidated brownstone which had been converted into a rooming house. The landlady recalled that an hour before our arrival a young woman fitting Miss Sears description had entered the house. I wonder whose room she went into. The landlady said it was rented six months ago by a man named Vincent. That she'd only seen Vincent twice and that uh, a special lock was put on the door. It's that room at the end of the hall there. I have a feeling that we're walking headlong into some more trouble. Hmm. hmm. This door isn't locked. Might be a trap. No one's in here.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, look on the table here. It's Valise. It was like the one Miss Sears gave you. Yes, the mate, the one she kept. Ah, there's nothing in it. And Here we are left holding an empty bag again. Now, how will we ever find her or the diamonds? She certainly won't return here, Alec. I was wrong. Huh? There was someone in this room. What are you talking about? This body behind the couch. Oh, yeah. Help me turn him over on his back. Here. Who can he be? This photo in the passport I found in his pocket. Look. Yes. It's him, all right. What to say? His name is. This passport identifies him as. Stephen Allison.
1: Here's a formula for fine listening. AM radio plus FM radio plus two separate record changers equal RCA Victor's magnificent new Victrola radio phonograph console. Imagine... AM and FM radio with a newly extended tone range. A record changer for 78 and long play records. And for RCA Victor's amazing 7-inch non-breakable records, a second record changer, the 45. Two record changers for all three speeds of recorded music. And in an RCA Victor Victrola radio phonograph, both recorded music and radio share the same brilliant RCA Victor golden throat tone system... A tone system that brings you concert hall clarity, fine fidelity always. And all this is wrapped up in a console cabinet whose beautiful styling and careful craftsmanship reflect RCA Victor's incomparable standards of quality. Next chance you get, see RCA Victor's wonderful selection of Victrola radio phonograph consoles.
2: phoned headquarters. The homicide crew, with all its equipment, came to the murder room on 20th Street and began its usual relentless and scientific search for clues and leads in the shooting of Stephen Allison. After I completed my report to the detective lieutenant in charge, I left the Brownstone house and walked across the street where Alec waited for me in the car. I uh, called Inspector Kelly, as you asked. Did the report come in? Yes, the driver of the cab you were in went directly to the police with his story. What did he say? Well, the mug who manhandled you forced the cab driver to take him up the west side drive to 125th Street. Mm-hmm. Then across town to Lexington Avenue. Then he got out and disappeared in the Lexington Avenue subway. All right, I think we'll get the car started. So? Where to? 59th Street, the west side of town. Was, uh, anything of special interest found in the murder room? Yes, several things, but... So far, nothing conclusive. There were some cigarette butts in an ashtray. Homicide check with a pack, which was in Allison's pocket, and they were a different brand.
3: Well, yeah.
2: evidently those cigarettes in the tray were smoked by Miss Sears. From the evidence, they weren't. I don't follow you, right? Well, there was no lip rouge traces on the cigarettes. And here's something else. An empty book of matches was found in an ashtray. It advertised a roadhouse in Baybrook out on Long Island, a place called Holly Inn. In view of the fact that both Allison and Miss Sears both just arrived in the country this morning, it's unlikely that the matchbook was carried by either of them. Mm. I'm really confused, am I? You? What about? Well, something else homicide uncovered. They found a great number of particles under Allison's fingernails. They haven't tested them yet, but they're quite sure that the particles are metal filings, most likely copper. I'll get a report on that later. But why would metal filings be under Allison's nails? He was a diamond courier. I'm not sure just what Allison was. On the way uptown, I'm stopping off to send a cable to Scotland Yard and then paying a call on Johnson and Sons to see what they can tell me about Stephen Allison.
3: Mr. Johnson will see you now, Mr. Saunders.
2: Thank you, Miss Gaines.
3: Oh, you know my name.
2: Well, the receptionist outside mentioned it and I always make a point of remembering certain names. Mm.
3: For professional reasons.
2: Well, you know what they say about all work and no play. (laughs) By the way, uh, mind if I borrow your matches for a light? Not
3: at all. Yes. Thank you. Keep
2: them. I forgot to tell you, Miss Gaines, I also make a point of remembering telephone numbers.
3: I'll think it over. Uh, You'd better go inside. Mr. Johnson's a busy man. He doesn't like to be kept waiting.
2: Mr. Johnson should know that some things are worth waiting for. Even telephone numbers. (laughs)
3: The door
2: straight ahead. Come in, Mr. Saunders. Come in. I won't take up much of your time, Mr. Johnson. Oh, that's quite all right. You know about the murder of the courier, Allison? Uh, the police were already here. They left just a short while ago. I thought the matter was settled. Settled? Well, $200,000 worth of diamonds. Your diamonds are missing. Oh, you have it wrong, Mr. Saunders. I, uh, guess you haven't heard the latest. Uh, I guess I haven't. What are you trying to say? Well, merely that the police recovered my diamonds. They're in a safe in our vault room. And where did they find the diamonds? Well, there was an auto accident up in Van Cortland Park. The diamonds were found in the wrecked car. And the uh, the police have the driver? Oh, yes, yes. The police have her. A woman named Vivian Sears? Yes. The police said that was her name. They asked me questions about her, but I could tell them nothing. <laughs> Well, if you'll excuse me, Mr. Johnson, I must run along. There are some questions I want to ask Miss Sears. Well, I'm afraid that won't be possible. The police tell me Miss Sears is dead. She was killed in the accident. (laughs) Miss Sears' death wasn't an accident, Alec. I'm almost positive of it. But the police reported her death due to accidental causes. Mm, well, just to say, I'm sure that the car she was in was forced off the road and down the hill in the park. According to the record, there was less than five gallons of gas in the car. If anyone is planning a long trip for a getaway, they'd be sure to be better stopped with gasoline. No, Alec, it was no accident. You think she was killed by the same man who murdered Allison? Yes, I think so. Oh, you take the, uh, the next right to Baybrook. The, uh, the Holly Inn is about two miles this side of town. Next right. Rex. Yeah? I don't understand any of it. If Miss Sears and Allison were murdered for the Diamonds, which is the only logical reason, why were the Diamonds returned to their rightful owner? Alec, for the time being, we're going to have to abandon the logic in this case. Then where will we be? Perhaps on the right track. We'll eliminate the Diamonds from the case. Eliminate the diamonds. Then what do we have? The Scotland Yard's reply to my inquiry on Allison told us that Allison at one time was an engraver. Now, that fact fits in with the metal filings which were found under his fingernails. Yes, it doesn't fit too well when you consider that Allison abandoned his trade to act as a diamond courier over a year ago. Mm, well, perhaps he didn't abandon his trade at all. You remember that the deck steward told you that Allison remained in his stateroom throughout the entire voyage. Yes. Well, uh, he may have been spending his time aboard ship engraving in secret. Grading what? Well, I don't know, but something valuable enough to cost him and Miss Sears their lives. And that brings me to the visit I'm making to the Holly Inn. The book of matches which were found in Alison's room advertised the inn. So did the book of matches I got from Evelyn Gaines, Ralph Johnson's secretary. Well, that may be only a coincidence. That may be, but the long arm of coincidence can be stretched only so far like, and then it snaps back and somebody's bound to be caught in its grip. waited outside in the car. I walked into the Holly Inn. It was a typical small roadhouse. There was a bar on one side and a row of dimly lit booths along the other. I walked along the booth side and then a hand reached out and grasped my sleeve. Hello. That long arm of coincidence I told Alec about was working overtime. Evelyn Gaines, pretty face, came out of the dimness of the booth to smile at me.
3: Imagine meeting you here, Mr. Saunders. Miss
2: Gaines. (laughs) What a pleasant surprise.
3: Uh, Won't you sit down and join me in a drink, Uh, Rex?
2: I'm glad you asked me that question, Miss... uh... Uh, Evelyn. Evelyn, uh, what brings you here? I thought you lived in town.
3: Weren't you sure?
2: Frankly, I was sure. Uh,
3: After business hours into...
2: Shall we stop playing the game?
3: I was just beginning to enjoy it.
2: And your friends might object to your wasting time.
3: Oh, uh, speaking of my friends, it meet Al.
2: Move over, chum. You know, I have a feeling I've been through this same thing someplace before. It's the same shooter you are feeling your ribs, smart tuggy.
3: He's all yours, Al. I'll be going along.
2: Yeah, sure. I'll be seeing you, Evelyn.
3: Goodbye, Rex. Thanks for the game.
2: Mm, nice girl. Alula. You know, Al... Ever since our encounter in the taxi yesterday, I've been looking forward to meeting you again. You and me both, smart talker. Only this meeting, you don't walk away from... Back
1: to the climax of our story in a moment. Three bestsellers. Three RCA Victor bestsellers. One, E. plays the haunting Claire de Lune. Two, Leopold Stokowski conducts his symphony orchestra in the Blue Danube Waltz. Three, the Boston Pops Orchestra plays the beautiful Warsaw Concerto. Three bestsellers high on the honor roll of immortal music. Three RCA Victor bestsellers. Stop in at your RCA Victor dealers and listen to these great Red Seal singles. Buy them. Take them home with you. Own them. Because they're classics in the classical field. You'll never tire of them. You'll play them over and over again. Claire de Lune, Blue Danube Balts, and the Warsaw Concerto will make a wonderful addition to any record library. And they're available on the amazing 45 as well as 78 RPM. Buy them now. Get your copies of these three all time best selling RCA Victor Red Seal recordings. <laughs>
2: Consciousness flowed back into my brain on a tide of a low humming sound. And the tide swept in faster and faster, and the sound became certain and distinct. I was on the floor in the back seat of a car. I was sick. Everything in me hurt. Then I heard him whistle. And I knew who it was. The man called Al. Al, happy. Al, whistling while he worked. And I knew what his work for the night was going to be. A job named Rex Sanders. An auto accident. An accident like the one in which Vivian Sears was killed. But Al was going to have a hitch in this accident. I felt weak, but I could still move. I saw his head swinging from side to side in his thick neck. Swinging in time with his tune. I waited a moment to steady myself. Then I wrapped my arms around his throat. I pulled tighter, tighter. He let go the wheel. He let go the wheel, and his hands came up, to claw at my arms. The car started to swerve crazily. I held on to him with all my strength. Al was going to have his accident, but he was going to have it my way. He was going to be in it with me. to you, Evelyn.
3: To both of us. Little Evie Gaines, and Ralph just
2: yeah. And to our trip to England.
3: And to Al. To Al Mason. Long may he rest in peace.
2: <laughs> Alongside the dear departed Rex Saunders.
3: Too bad about Al dying in that accident, too. <laughs> I wonder how he missed. Now,
2: my dear, we mustn't fret over Al. He served his purpose of ridding us of Alison and his lady friend Vivian Sears. It's just as well this way, my dear.
3: Allison did beautiful engraving, Ralphie. Very beautiful.
2: Oh, an accomplished artist. His last work was a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. The fraud will never be detected. Everything's perfect, the printing, the paper, everything. The British public will be honored with the new and uh <clears throat> unofficial pound notes.
3: The pound notes. Let's drink to the pound notes. <laughs>
2: And to my car down in the hold of this very fine vessel. Ah, oh,
3: you're terrific, Ralphie. You think of everything. <laughs> it's kind of you to say so. Oh, who'd ever think of looking inside the tire tubes of your car for counterfeit money? <laughs> who'd ever
2: think of it? <laughs> I'm sure most people wouldn't. Song has. You. Mind if Alec and I join your little celebration, Johnson? Well, perhaps we're intruding. You're dead. Come, be. The papers said, Alan, you were... The papers were quite correct about Al's death and the accident. But the story of Mr. Saunders' death was a bit exaggerated. Mm, A ruse I carried through with the cooperation of the police. But it paid off rather well for us. I permitted you to get this far, Johnson, so that I would be sure to stop the counterfeit money from being circulated in England. However, I must say that you had rather a neat plan, manufacturing the pound notes in the States and then taking them to England in the tyres of your car... But uh, murder always upsets the neatest of plans.
3: I had nothing to do with the killings. They were all his ideas. Don't I mean,
2: be a fool. Don't you see they can't oh, prove anything? Up.
3: I'm not going to die for you. He did it. He had Al kill Allison because he was finished with him. Allison found out that he was going to die when he finished the plate on the trip over. That's why he gave it to his girlfriend, Vivian Sears. It was all Johnson's idea. I had nothing to do with it. Oh,
2: thank you for the confession, but it was uh, quite unnecessary. What? Alec and I heard everything outside while you two were having your bon voyage toasts in here. And from what, what we heard, it wasn't difficult to put the pieces together. And uh, speaking of bon voyage, there's another trip waiting you two. In a government launch cruising off the port side of this liner. It will take us all to the pier, where a special delegation from the police department is waiting to extend a toast of welcome back.
0: welcome back well once again a good hook the show always does have that going for it um and uh overall just a very good well paced uh story uh very well performed and i, I did kind of <laughs> um pr- uh probably w- prefer an ending where the uh Where it wasn't all so dependent on the crooks just totally letting down their guards, believing Saunders was dead, but uh, I think it works overall. All right, well, we've had some listener comments and uh, feedback regarding the new show, and so uh, we'll go ahead and get to those, starting with Facebook. Renee uh, comments on this episode. Uh, I enjoyed this, uh, or the first episode, I enjoyed this episode very much. I'm looking forward to more of the show. And Lisa said, I always... I also like this show a lot too. Thanks, Adam, for another another wonderful show on the great detectives of old time radio. Uh, meanwhile, Wes uh uh notices something about the show. The Rex Saunders intro began, and in my head I heard the words Out of the Fog and Out of the Night and Into the um, into his American Adventures, uh, which is a reference to uh, Bulldog Drummond. Actually, I've noticed how many of these shows use the same incidental music and sometimes have uh, even title songs. I suspect that a network would own a few pieces of music and use them on all of their shows. Apparently this happened on television yesterday morning. I heard uh, background music on a rerun of Have Gun, Will Travel that I've heard many times on Perry Mason. Well, I've I've not uh, noticed that. That does make sense if they're um, owned by CBS. Uh, But... Um, this was something that really did happen with NBC shows of the era. When you get past um, uh, 1950, essentially, you'll find most NBC dramatic shows, the incidental music was totally identical. Um, And you would generally have a different opening theme for each, but those little incidental things, those uh, little bits of film music, uh, would always uh, be the exact same thing. And I think the reason for that was trying to save cost as uh, radio became less uh, profitable. Uh, But it does hurt the quality of the product, and I have often thought that it would be nice if these had their own incidentals. Um, I, I think, you know, it might even be worthwhile for someone to if they could do a retro score with uh, different re- um, incidental music for each show, it'd be interesting to hear. Though I suspect there are some people who, you know, want to hear it exactly as uh, broadcast and wouldn't want them uh, it being changed up. But uh, good observation there, Wes. Thanks so much for sharing. Now, that'll do it for today. Join us back here uh, tomorrow for Richard Diamond, and next Tuesday, another episode of The Private Files of Rex Saunders. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.